investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me for episode 9 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So today I wanted to take a look at some of the idiosyncrasies of the Melbourne property market. Now it's important to understand what residents may be prepared to accept in one suburb, um, they may not be prepared to accept in another. Uh, and this is really important when you're looking at selecting an investment property because investors should be looking at what the general market wants um, and what it's prepared to accept rather than where they may be prepared to compromise themselves if they were looking to buy it um, for themselves to live in. So understanding the difference between an investment versus a home is really important, um, but also understanding what might be acceptable in one suburb and what might not be acceptable in another and taking your own personal um, perspectives out of that to a degree. So today's podcast is going to be predominantly based on real life examples. So we won't um, we won't feature the story element because basically the whole uh, podcast will be based on stories and um, any practical examples that um, that we've lived over the thirty years of Wakeland Property Advisory. So we'll start off with um, one of the most common thoughts that have developed over the years in regards to property is to buy brick over weatherboard. Now the old saying "bricks not sticks." Um, now that's definitely true in some suburbs of Melbourne. So for instance, areas like say North Fitzroy and North Carlton, um, it really is the expectation that, that the property will be, particularly in the form of a terrace house brick. Now there are a few weatherboards that you'll see, perhaps in the more Northern sections of North Fitzroy, um, but it's typically expected that it would be brick. But there are other suburbs around um, where this doesn't necessarily apply. So for example, the bulk of properties and, and large family homes in a suburb like Armadale are brick. However, one of my favourite streets in Melbourne and one of the most sought after streets in all of Armadale is Cambridge Street. Now, for any of you that haven't been down Cambridge Street or aren't aware of it, it's made up of around 32 single fronted Victorian cottages that were all built in the late 1800s and they are all almost identical. Um, it's a fantastic street. It's been used many times over the years for movie sets, that sort of thing, because of its consistency. Uh, and it's performed extremely well in a suburb that may typically be focused more on brick homes. So uh, certainly is goes against that, that rule of thumb. Another suburb like Armadale is Hawthorne. Uh, typically you'll find a greater balance of weatherboard homes in Hawthorne um, throughout that suburb. However, typically, they will perform just as well from a growth perspective as their brick cousins. The values may not be quite as strong up front as what a brick house might be, but in terms of general performance over the long term, um, weatherboard homes in Hawthorne are fantastic. So our next um, idiosyncrasy that we'll focus on is something that buyers are always mindful of and should always be mindful of is surrounding development and proximity to alternate uses to a residential use um, are always something that need to be considered. So whether that be, say, commercial um, development or retail or industrial buildings um, that might be nearby, or perhaps specific type uses like um, primary or secondary schools or even pubs. Now, different buyer demographics will obviously accept different things. So for instance, if you're looking at buying a, a warehouse apartment or looking at residing in a warehouse apartment, it's highly likely that that property is going to be in some form of light industrial or commercial location. So it's going to have a hell of a lot more noise. Um, there's going to be far less trees and green space. Um, there will be alternate uses, whether they be 
um, light industrial uses or if you're in areas like, say, Fitzroy, um, it might be that there's restaurants, cafes and things that are closer by and it will be a much higher density um, location. Now, as an example, that is going to be acceptable in areas like Fitzroy and Collingwood and North Melbourne, where there are a, a lot of really good quality warehouse type buildings and warehouse apartments or former warehouse shells that have been converted to standalone um, dwellings that are that are highly sought after in those areas. But that's not likely to be acceptable, again, in some of the, say, inner eastern suburbs of Melbourne or middle ring eastern suburbs of Melbourne, I should say, around, say, Hawthorne and Camberwell, even pushing out to Blackburn, where the expectation is that it's going to be quite residential streets. Now, another really good example, and one that I use quite regularly with prospective clients, is um, proximity to a pub. So in a suburb like Fitzroy, as long as you're not right next door to it, it's certainly seen as a real positive. So some of Fitzroy's classic corner pubs like the Rose, the Napier, the Standard, or pushing out into North Fitzroy, the Lord Newry, um, are really, really sought after pubs. And people want to be close by because they are um, areas and um, drinking or waterholes that, that people really are drawn to. So some of these great local pubs, they really do add to the charm of these suburbs and, and certainly add to the character um, and, and really are draw cards for those suburbs. Now, they're typically not late night pubs either, so they're not really loud and noisy into all hours of the morning. They're more of a, a Sunday afternoon session type pub or perhaps going to have a, a beer or two before the football. Um, but again, that's what's drawn to that suburb. If you picked up those pubs or had that lifestyle in a suburb like, say, South Yarra or even in Albert Park, um, it's more. Those are more residential areas where people like to have their their quiet piece of piece of quiet and be able to go to where um, their entertainment is. So whether that's cafes, restaurants, they go to it rather than having it right on their doorstep. In Fitzroy and even pub, suburbs like say Brunswick, having it closer by is actually seen as a as an added bonus. Now. I mentioned earlier Armadale and more specifically Cambridge Street in terms of consistency and a consistent streetscape is certainly something that is is really, really sought after and, and highly regarded. Um, there's nothing better than seeing row after row of terrace houses in a suburb like North Melbourne or perhaps Californian bungalows in Surrey Hills and one of my favourites is the park-like feel that you get of mid-century brick veneer dwellings in a suburb like Reservoir. It's, um, it's really attractive. But some suburbs don't necessarily offer that level of consistency. But again, this adds to their charm and is one of the draw cards for them as a suburb. So a couple of good examples are suburbs like Brunswick and Thornbury. And now they offer a real mix of housing styles. That's not unusual in a suburb like Brunswick to see Victorian cottages with the odd townhouse thrown in nearby or perhaps a mid-century brick veneer dwelling that's being constructed. Um, or if you go to Thornbury, for instance, you'll regularly see Edwardian single and double-fronted homes. And next door to them might be a, uh, a 1970s brick veneer dwelling on a, on a larger parcel of land or perhaps even some villa units, um, less so villa units, but certainly a mix and, and some um, smaller, uh, older style apartment blocks as well that were quite commonly built in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Now, ideally, if you're looking to buy it, you don't want one of these alternate uses to be immediately next door to you. Um, because you want to minimize the risk of, of there potentially being some redevelopment. But the alternate style within the overall streetscape adds to the eclectic nature of both of these, well, as these types of suburbs um, and the property styles within them. The next one that I wanted to go through um, and something that we regularly discuss with clients is off-street parking. Now, 
Where possible, it's always a great thing to have. However, for some homes, it's a necessity, while for others, it's more seen as a luxury that you can have and, and appreciate having, but don't necessarily have to have. Now, apartments is one of the ones where it is seen as, we certainly view it as a necessity. Um, clearly, when you are living in an apartment, um, there's more people living in a smaller space, so it's much higher density living. Um, with, that, with the more people living in a smaller space, street parking obviously becomes a real premium. And um, and therefore, when and also when apartments were constructed, typically from the 1930s onwards, most occupants, particularly nowadays, um, will own a car or be using a car. And so there's a degree of expectation that they will have somewhere to pull their, their car off street. Now, houses are a very different thing, particularly, say, in the single-fronted terrace and cottage mark, market. Um, they were quite often built in the late 1800s or early 1900s. And when they were built, clearly cars weren't invented at that time. So it's typically not an expectation with that type of property that um, that you will have off-street parking. And those that are fortunate enough to have it um, quite commonly don't actually use it uh, because it's quite difficult to access the uh, the rear laneway um, with the, the narrow bluestone laneways that we have in inner city Melbourne. And, and having to do a 10-point turn to pull your car off the street is not something that's easily done. And, and most residents are happy to park in the street now, family homes can be a little bit different, um, and there's typically more of an expectation because you've got a bit more land with some of the more middle ring period style homes that you can pull a car off the street. Um, and so it's definitely something that that uh, you should keep in mind if looking at that type of thing, but it's more of an, an as-needs basis as to whether or not um, you would, would or wouldn't pursue a home um, based on that. Um, now... The other, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is um, is main roads. And, and qu- quite clearly, um, in this current day and age, the noise and congestion around main road living is something that people um, would prefer to avoid, which is in great cr- contrast, really, to a previous time where it was quite often seen as prestigious to live on a main road in order to be able to demonstrate your wealth or your status um, and have a large, large home on a main road for people to go by. But back then, clearly, as we've said before, there were no cars trucks, trams, and buses running up and down the street. So the the bulk of people going along out in front of your home were probably in a horse and cart, maybe on a bike, um, and not creating too much noise. So it didn't have the same negative impact. Now, there are still a few ex- exceptions um, today around main roads and where properties are still highly sought after. So Scotch Hill in Hawthorne, um, it's a very highly sought after area and very desirable location. There's some very, very valuable real estate in there and some very strong land values um, that have consistently been there over a long period of time. Now, Glenferry Road um, is one of the main roads on top of Scotch Hill and it has got a number of really good quality clinker brick and art deco buildings um, that are always sought after. They've got really good sized apartments there. Uh, they're quite um, easily accessible, um, and despite their main road address, are, are typically well regarded within the market. Now, another good example of a main road that works really well is Royal Parade in Parkville. And again, there's a, a number of high-quality Art Deco apartment buildings along there. They're very stylish, retained many of their period features, um, and obviously you've also got Princess Park opposite. So providing that um, public open space for uh, any residents to enjoy is also a desirable factor to that too. Now, another um, 
element which falls into a similar category to the main road is buying opposite a railway line. So clearly it, they can suffer from the same negative impacts of being noisy, perhaps being a little bit smelly as well. Um, and it's something that's typically um, avoided. Now, there's a, a pretty major exception to this in um, in Kensington, and many people wouldn't know about it, but Bel Air Street in Kensington, it's a remarkably consistent street. Um, brick veneer terrace houses all along one side, and it's actually highly sought after and has shown really strong um, levels of growth over an, a, a long period of time. And people do really want to buy along there. Um, if you're not familiar with the area and you went there for the first time, you would certainly look at it and say, that's something that I would want to avoid. But locals in and around Kensington understand that the, that the demand for that street is very strong um, and has been for a, uh, a long period of time. So what I think we've covered today uh, is there, there are many rules um, and thoughts around property and what you should or should not do. And many of them are there for very good reason. Um, but sometimes rules are made to be broken. So you do need to keep that in mind, but you do need to understand, um, particularly when you're looking at it from an investor's perspective, um, what's acceptable in one suburb may not be acceptable in another. So make sure you're familiar with that and understand what residents of that suburb in that suburb will be prepared to accept. So thanks again for, uh, for joining me for today's uh, episode, episode nine of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. As always, feel free to share the podcast with family and friends and, uh, and let as many people know about the, pro- the podcast as possible. And if you'd like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions.